This is episode 336 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Ghostbusters Afterlife and the eyes of Tammy Faye. Will one be a fresh start within the franchise and will one be enough for award season buzz? Tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. And welcome, everyone, to episode 336 of the Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and thank you for joining me on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys' support is always amazing. Uh, before we begin the episode, if you guys could spread this around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. You know, like, subscribe, and follow, and do all that good stuff. Uh, you guys' uh, support every single week, just it fuels me to keep on going. Because I'm glad there's someone out there that listens to me uh, ramble on about just complete nonsense, uh, as Joel would put it. So, um, yes, thank you for all your support. You guys are just fantastic. So, um, yes, uh, like I said at the top, this is episode 336. And the main topics of conversation will be Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a continuation of the ones from the 80s, not the 2016 version. And then, of course, uh, award season is coming up, so... You know, a bunch of movies are falling in my lap uh, in these last, like, two months of the year. And so I have a lot of catch-up to do. So The Eyes of Tammy Faye was the first one to fall in my lap. So I will be reviewing that one as well. So those were the, those are the main topics of conversation. But before we get into all that stuff, you guys know, I have to ask, how you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? Um, a lot of stuff has happened to me. In the past uh, week and a half, and uh, ho hopefully there are some listeners out there that get excited uh, because I, I do look at the the breakdown um, uh, of of the show, and I'll, I'll explain myself in just a second. But yeah, it's been a it's been a chaotic uh, week and a half. You know, uh, I, I'm glad I'm getting into the groove of this and doing an episode for you guys uh, every single week, and you know, trying to find stuff to talk about. Um, and so, you know, I, I did take a break, like I was telling you guys last episode. I went on vacation with my wife and some friends. Uh, we actually went to Paris, um, and we went to Iceland right afterwards. So, uh, and the reason why uh, I, I said that's kind of important is because I look at my my breakdown uh, of the show every single week just to kind of see where the episodes are playing at, right? So the United States obviously is number one. That's where I'm hosted at. You know, it's 41% as of right now. Second place, and always has been second place, has been France. Uh, right now it's at 29% listenership. Um, so I just wanted to say to all the wonderful people out there that live in France, that listen to my show, thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone in every single country that listens to this show. But I found that kind of amazing when uh, we were going to Paris. I, I was looking at my breakdown. I was like, oh, wow. Like, France has always been up there. And so I'm, I'm finally going to, like, the country that uh, that supports me the most outside of uh, uh, the United States. So uh, everyone that is in France that listens to the show that's out there, I visited Paris. Uh, and we also went to 
uh, Versailles and you know walked around. I gotta say, this is my first experience outside of the U.S. Um, going to the right. So I've been to Canada and I've been to Mexico. Uh, so basically, I've never been to anything outside of this continent. So going to uh, Europe was completely new to me. I got to tell you, I had a great time in France. I, I really did. And I uh, didn't expect it to look like New York City um, in similarity. You know, I've never been to New York, but everyone that describes it, it says it's kind of like that. And I like that vibe. I like everything being really close together and you can just walk everywhere, get your steps in. I ate and drank so much. Uh, I really just had a great time and the scenery is beautiful. Um, I need to learn French. I I understand that now. Um, yes, I, I can understand how it could be frustrating for uh, foreigners to come into your country and not know your, your language. I'm the dumb one. Um, probably should have, you know, read up on a lot more French. But uh, other than that, I, I had a I had a blast in France. It, it was absolutely just breathtaking. In Paris, uh, Versailles was also really fun. Um, and so, yeah, to all, all all the wonderful listeners out there that that live in France, you guys have a pretty dope country. So, um, I I guess I should have mentioned that last week. That'd be really funny if uh, one of you guys spotted me or something. Like you heard my voice from afar. Like, oh, I hear. Uh, I hear a really uh, whiny American over there. That's, that's got to be him. That's got to be him, right? So, um, yeah, so we went to Paris and, and Versailles and France, and that was all that was all lovely. Um, and then we went to Iceland. Iceland was also really uh, beautiful, very uh, landscape-focused. Uh, so it's like major city, then you drive out for an hour to the next big thing, but in between it's just gorgeous scenery. Um, really had a lot of fun there. So... so <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, my throat just like closed up. Um, yeah, so if you guys were looking for vacation spots, I would recommend Paris and I would recommend um, Iceland. Um, I went to Reykjavik in Iceland. Uh, it's kind of like southwest area of the the island. Also, another uh, fact that blew my mind was um, there's only 330,000 people on that entire island, the entire country. I'm like, that's like the size of one city in Texas. This just blows my mind. So, and of course, France is way busier than Iceland was. So it was, it was kind of a shock to go from the hustle and bustle of France to like a more laid back kind of Iceland. Um, but yes, if you guys were looking for vacation spots or recommendations, I would recommend both of those. And it makes me want to travel even more. So, um, yeah, so that's what I did this past week, uh, mainly celebrating, um, the wife and I's anniversary from Halloween, but also another couple that was with us, they had their anniversary as well. Um, so it was just a nice kind of celebration and just a nice um, vacation. But I will say, I will say, jet lag is very real. It's also kicking my butt. Um, yeah, it's one of those things to where like you hear about it and you're like, ah. I'll be fine. That's not a big deal. What are you talking about? Jet lag. I'm not going to be tired. Guys, I'm recording to this to you uh, like two days after I got back. And I'm still tired. So they, they always say the rule of thumb is if you travel somewhere, it takes about a week to get adjusted to the time change. So Paris is six hours ahead of me. Iceland is five hours. And we were gone for a week. So our bodies adjusted to pretty much that time zone 
and now we're trying to readjust to central time in america and it's like i'm getting tired in the afternoon now uh i i need like extra coffee it's bad it's bad and so uh to all the people out there which is probably just me by the way to all the people out there that didn't believe jet lag was a thing congratulations you're wrong uh just like i was uh it, it is definitely a real thing my wife has been waking up at like 4 a.m the past couple nights it's uh it's not fun <laughs> so uh it will take a few more days to get to readjust back but then i go see my parents next week and they live in georgia and that is an hour ahead of me um wait hour ahead yeah hour ahead and so uh, we'll be doing that for a week and then coming back. But hopefully in December, our bodies aren't like crying and aching. <laughs> like, oh my God, please, I just want to sleep. Um, but yes, uh, jet lag is the one thing that like kicked my butt. Um, but I really enjoyed like the food, the drinks, the just the sights, just everything about that trip. So um, yeah, I can't, I can't say anymore. So if you guys were looking for some vacation spots let's say go there um other than that that's about it because we're, we're just kind of catching up on um our lives right now since we've been gone for a bit you know whether it be work or you know this with you guys and movies and reviewing and stuff so it's definitely um it's definitely been a, a, a roller coaster the past couple of days just trying to catch up on everything um i'm trying to think like what else uh, I do have confirmed screenings coming up to get you guys uh, excited about uh, potential podcasting content. Um, I have it all written down, and so I I'm excited for the following. I do have uh, Nightmare Alley, uh, Encounter, uh, West Side Story, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. Those are the confirmed screenings that I have signed up for, so you guys will definitely... Uh, get those as reviews. I don't know if there'll be many reviews or, or, or main episode reviews. I haven't decided yet, but those are for sure. And of course, like Spider-Man No Way Home, I think that's like the last big one I have. Um, and there was several ones I missed, but they overlapped each other on other screenings, so I couldn't see everything. Like I was supposed to see Encanto, um, Don't Look Up. Uh, it's just, they're all falling on nights that I can't do it, or they've overlapped with other screenings. So gotta make decisions but um yes the award season uh is, is definitely in full effect and since i'm a part of a critic organization they are you know trying to show us as many as possible before deadlines that makes total sense so uh that's why you guys are going to get like just influx of um just so much stuff and of course you know hawkeye is going to start soon i'll probably do that as a weekly series like i did with the other marvel shows so yeah a lot of stuff um so that's the uh, upcoming weeks ahead. Speaking of Marvel, before I jump into Ghostbusters, which I think they're definitely going to play this trailer in front of it, and this will, spoiler, this might be the best thing about the, the Ghostbusters Afterlife experience, but the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped last night. And my God, what a crazy movie that's going to be. And I've had a lot of time to think on uh the marvel cinematic universe uh considering that i've seen eternals I, I saw it three times uh everyone i've talked to has had a different experience with it so you know people's confidence in this franchise is waning a bit and i'm curious to know how spider-man is going to go because if that and doctor strange 2 cannot execute the multiverse storyline to the fullest potential 
it's very possible it could lose a lot of us uh, with interest. And so it's very important that this movie and Doctor Strange 2 knocks it out of the park or we're going to be we're going to be in deep trouble. And so uh, the trailer is very promising. It looks epic. It looks like just a total blast, but also could have really uh, major repercussions, especially with that in uh, scene in the trailer. So, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. Um, but I know that's like the talk of the town right now. Just give you guys my, my quick thoughts on it. Uh, watched it several times. Watched the first trailer several times. And I can tell you right now, I still feel... Um, I still feel that Doctor Strange is off. Like, there's something wrong with that man. And I don't know what it is. And the last shot in the uh, the new trailer, it just... Like, no one's talking about that shot. They're just like, oh, all the villains are in this trailer. I'm like, yeah, but, like, what is Doctor Strange talking about at the very end? Um, so it's it's all uh, all interesting. So, yeah, whew. We got about, uh, about a month. So I uh, should be... Should be seeing that one pretty soon as well. Like I said, that's probably the last big one that I have for the year. But yeah, very, very good trailer. But I think that's that's about it. Really, like I said, really haven't caught up on anything. Um, me and uh, my wife are going to watch Love Life Season 2 here pretty soon. Um, and as I watch all these, I'll, I'll give you guys updated thoughts on them uh, every single time I do an episode. Uh, Love Life Season 2. Tiger King Season 2 is coming out. The Great Season 2 is coming out. King Richard um, on HBO Max on Friday. Also, Tick, Tick, Boom on Friday. Like, my God, what a busy week this is. And uh, it will just trickle over into next week, too. Because I don't think uh, I'll have an episode next week. I haven't decided yet, but um, um, that's just probably the reality right now. But yeah, just so much to catch up on. But in the meantime, there are a couple movies that have either uh, they're about to come out or have come out that I would like to talk about. So let's just jump right into it. So coming back from the break, I will be going over Ghostbusters Afterlife. So uh, yeah, just uh, come on back and see what I thought of it. So I'll see you guys in a bit. And welcome back, everyone, to the episode. Uh, the first review that we have on deck is Ghostbusters Afterlife, so let's not waste any more time and let's break this down. When a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy that their grandfather left behind. Uh, this is a continuation of the films from the 80s, not the 2016 version. I just wanted to clarify that. Um... And so, you know, going into this, I got to be honest with you guys, I'm not like the biggest Ghostbusters fan in general, and that goes across all of them. I, I remember watching the first one, I remember kind of liking it, uh, I don't even remember the second one. Uh, the 2016 version was just fine, in my opinion, it was, just, it was, it was okay, uh, I wasn't one of those people that was just like, oh my god, it's all women, like, oh, oh this isn't, this isn't my Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> I'm also not one of those people that will blindly like it because it has a Ghostbusters brand on it. It was fine. Um, so I, I guess this franchise overall really hasn't made me excited to watch another one. It was, it's just kind of like, okay, it's another one. Let's watch it and let's just see how it goes. And, you know, watching the trailers to Afterlife, I wasn't really that impressed. Um, but I wanted to give it a shot because it's got a, you know, a plethora of new faces to it. Um, you know, all these great uh, performers in this film 
had the potential to start something new in this franchise and deviate from the originals and do their own thing. So that is what excited me about Afterlife, even though the trailers were underwhelming. I saw the movie. It's fine. Um, I have the same kind of feeling about it as, you know, the 2016 version, for instance, where it's just like, it's, you know, it's got its moments, um, but overall, it just really does nothing for me. Um, I don't know why that is, but this franchise, I, I guess, I guess I'll just admit it, it is not for me. <laughs> um, but I, I'll be curious to see another one. I, I really would, because um, I, I like uh, supernatural uh, films, especially this one that mixes in, like, a, a, a great dose of comedy and, and adventure and excitement, and I, I don't know, like, there, there's something attractive about this franchise is just it does nothing to me um but this one is okay so i will say for the first half of the movie was pretty good uh i, I like the camaraderie between all the characters uh the chemistry and the uh sharpness of all the performances was really well done because the comedy um was 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 hitting for the most part i was like wow this is actually really good and just the uh curiosity that the kids have about like you know what's going on around this town and then discovering, you know, the original Ghostbusters, like, attire and weapons and car, like, and then them just trying to figure it out. Like, that stuff was all great, you know. Uh, meanwhile, you know, all the adults are also trying to figure it out. Um, you know, Paul Rudd is just a bolt of energy, and uh, he, he always makes uh, any movie great. Uh, Carrie Coon as the mother is also really great. Uh, I, I loved her kind of sassiness and the, the edginess that she has as a mother. Uh, but you know, deep down that she loves her children, she'll do anything to protect them. But she has like this um, uh, sassy personality that I just absolutely love because every single single thing that came out of her mouth was like comedic gold. I, I just loved it. It was very deadpan type of humor. Meanwhile, you have Paul Rudd who has that kind of hyperactive energy to him, and that humor works really great. So, and the kids also have their um, brand of personality. Once again, a lot of great things to admire. I like the fact that it is set in a small town because it, it makes the threat level seem very ominous and you don't know where it's going to strike. And when it does strike, like it, it could be uh, very um, disastrous for the entire town. So I, I like the setting to it. Um, yeah, I, I like I like like the first half. Like I said, it's just when it gets to a certain point and cameos are shoehorned in, lines, famous lines from the franchise are shoehorned in to just elicit reactions out of the the audience that's where i get turned off um and also at the very end uh when they're fighting like the the main demon ghost whatever it's it, it is uh, i think it, i think it is a demon um i didn't care it didn't have any type of impact it sucked out all the air out of the room so all the energy was gone so at the, the turning point in the middle of the film, we get to a situation and the threat of the villain that doesn't really feel like anything. It just feels like, oh yeah, there's, there's something happening over there. We should, um, we should probably go take care of that. So it didn't really feel like it was urgent. And even when it was happening and the climax was happening in the, the third act, nothing. Like, and so it, it, it kind of felt depressing which is the word that my friend used, um, um, Joel, who, who does the podcast with me sometimes. And he, he sat there and he was trying to think of like, 
the right word for it. And I think that is the correct word for it. It is very depressing. Um, there is just this switch that happens in the middle of the movie where it just loses all momentum and then just kind of drives itself into this void of nothingness and there's no no emotional swell from anything, whether it be excitement, thrill, comedy, scares nothing. The, the very, very end of the film, after, after they defeat the villain, I won't spoil anything, but that was slightly touching. You know, I, I will say that um, what they did was, was sweet, and I, I applaud them for doing that. I have no issue with that, that part of the, um, uh, the film, but I think everything else leading up to that just really, I don't know, it just didn't click with me whatsoever. And so it's just it's kind of this weird thing where I was enjoying myself. It felt like it was something different. And then it just ended up being uh, shoehorned cameo, one-liners, and a third-act battle that had no impact whatsoever. So when they defeated it, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, and so, and, and to be honest with you, I kind of felt the same way with like the 2016 version. It's like, I enjoy bits and pieces of like the chemistry between the characters and the, some of the situations they got themselves in. But when it finally got to like the third-act battle... I didn't really care. So I don't know. Maybe this is just a consistent thing for me, but I, um, yeah, uh, that's where I guess I'll just leave it. There's really nothing more uh, to discuss. If you are a Ghostbusters fan and you like the first two, I think you're actually going to really, really, really love this. Um, because it is, like a, like I said, a, a, a fresh start to this franchise while also calling back to some of your favorite characters and you know, all that stuff. I think you're going to adore this film. I think you really will. I also think this is a perfect film for families this holiday season uh, around, you know, Thanksgiving and stuff. I, I truly believe that. So don't listen to me, some curmudgeon in his bedroom um, that's poo-pooing on this movie. Like I said, I'm, I'm about 50-50 with it. I do, I do think this will be a crowd pleaser. I, I think a lot of families will enjoy it. Uh, I think diehard Ghostbusters fans will enjoy it. Just for me personally, it kind of a um, it's fine type of approach, just like I did with the 2016 version. So that is my review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Please let me know um, in the comments or you can tweet at us what you thought of the movie, whether you loved it, hated it, or just thought it was okay. I would love to know your thoughts. And when we come back from the second break, I will be going over the eyes of Tammy Faye. And is it going to be a heavy awards contender? We're just going to tune in and find out. I'll be right back. And welcome back from the second break. Let's go over the second film uh, of the episode, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, based on the real-life story of Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker. Uh, and this one stars Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. It's got so many great things going for it, so let's go ahead and break this down. An intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, this is also uh, going to start a slew of reviews of just films I'm going to be catching up on throughout the end of the year, and especially films that might have awards buzz or chatter or whatever. Um, I'm going to start catching up. So uh, this is one of them. It fell into my lap. So let's do this. I was looking forward to this film 
uh, a lot. And I, when I heard that Jessica Chastain was going to play Tammy, Andrew Garfield was going to play Jim, all on board. Michael Showalter directing it, that's an interesting curveball right there. Um, you know, he's always been a part of like the Wet Hot American Summer uh, movie and television show. Um, he's one of the co-creators of Search Party, which is a fantastic HBO Max show. Check it out. Uh, also directed The Big Sick, which is a great uh, romantic dramedy. Um, the guy has range, and I absolutely just love uh, seeing the evolution of his career. And now he's going to be tackling this, which is a biopic uh, of, of Tammy and, and Jim and just their um, impact that they had as televangelists. So, yeah, all the components of like a great movie were just swirling together and just coming in uh, for this one. So... Uh, and I don't think I even saw a trailer. I was just excited because I heard uh, just the people behind the camera in front of the camera making it. And so I didn't really need to see anything. I saw it. It is in the range of just okay to good. Like it, it's it's in that like kind of gray zone a little bit where it's just like there's a lot of fantastic things about this film. But at the end of the day, and this is why I can't rate it any higher than I'm going to, it's just a normal biopic. It really doesn't add much flair or much difference to what we've seen in the past in terms of biopics. Kind of tells it in a very uh, you know linear story. Uh, we start out with a a future uh, Tammy Baker, and then we flash back to when she was a child, and then we kind of just we leap off from there until we get back the book endpoint from the beginning of the film. And so it really doesn't do much. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that was uh, excluded from the script and their story and just uh, some of the important plot points. A lot of it's condensed down, so it just happens really quick. Um, so in terms of actual biopics, really doesn't do much to like impress me in terms of like standing out. It just it gets the job done. It's not a bad thing. It just gets the job done. Also, another thing I was kind of iffy on before I get to like the slew of fantastic things about this. Um, I love Michael Showalter. I really do. And he has, he's a keen sense of for comedy and he also does for drama. I've seen it time and time again with all of his projects he's been associated with. Is this the right story to do both? So... This story is very sad um, of Tammy and just her blind loyalty to her husband and her getting wrapped up into this and her conflicted on many things that um, Jim is spouting out and uh, all the people that are around her, including other reverends that they're the nonsense that they're spouting out. Like she's very conflicted. It's a very, it's a very sad portrait of this person. And we're kind of just seeing her go down this, this dark path. So it lends itself to be drama, even in some sense a horror film. But Michael Showalter also kind of injects comedic elements to it. And I don't really know if that is right for this one. Yes, they were funny. Um, but when I think about the whole movie as a package, it really doesn't make sense to inject this with uh, those comedy I guess bits like it, I don't know. It was just very, very strange. Now, on the flip side, what Tammy and Jim are doing is absolutely ridiculous and appalling. And like I hate 
just as a side note, I hate televangelists. I, I think what they do is just disgusting. And so maybe, maybe Michael Showalter, that was just kind of his interpretation of like, hey, these are just clowns on stage, and like I just want to make make them a mockery. And so you know, injecting this kind of like humor to just kind of show the ridiculousness of it and balance it with the 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 horrors and the 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 drama that uh, Tammy is going through. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, and maybe I'm just totally off base with that, but uh, I didn't really feel the need for this to have any type of comedic relief at, at all. Um, you know, the, the bits that we had with comedy, like, yeah, they got a, a chuckle out of me, but, like, I, I don't know, I felt kind of weird afterwards. I was thinking about I was like, I don't, I don't know, was that the right move to do, do comedy in this as well? So maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just uh, being overdramatic, but... Um, Okay, so that that is it out of just the the stuff that I thought was okay to like whatever, right? Everything else in this movie is great. So let me go ahead and start with uh, the makeup and hairstyling because I know that this that's what this movie is going to be gunning for the most uh, for the Oscars. Outstanding. The the prosthetics on Jessica's face on Andrew's face. The cheeks, the the way they lifted up, uh, this this fake cheek line and bone area, yeah, it's a little goofy at first, but then you get used to it, and then when you see the actual people, they did a heck of a job emulating that. So, um, yeah, I thought the prosthetics were outstanding. The the makeup on Tammy's face when it comes to the, uh, uh, you know, the eyes and the mouth and everything, totally what Tammy looked like. And I thought that was just absolutely extraordinary. The actual, uh, the, the hairstyling as well is also really great. Even on Andrew getting the hairline just right and like, uh, dipping it back just right. Um, and even fixing Andrew's face to look a little bit more puffy, just like Jim's breathtaking, it, really great stuff. Uh, whoever was on the, the makeup team and prosthetics and hair, you, you guys did a fantastic job. Also, a really great thing about this is that even though the biopic itself, the actual story, it's just, it gets the job done. There's really nothing crazy about it. The performances in this drive this movie, and they drove my um, my two hour and six run time and six minute run time uh, to the finish line. Like, I was just enamored and I was glued to the screen by every single little thing that Jessica did and that Andrew did. They are some of the best performances I've seen all year. I think they really commit to this movie. I think that's the best word to describe it. They 1,000% commit to these roles. And I really felt it um, in everything that they did. Uh, really just um, taking you along this emotional roller coaster, especially with like Tammy's perspective and the conniving, sinister path that Jim takes you on. It's just like, oh, what a bad guy. Um they they sold it like there are moments that you just absolutely hate andrew there are moments that even though you're conflicted about what tammy's doing like you still feel for her and it's all through the performances all just a very um uh a powerful but also kind of nuanced approach uh to it because you could go easily over the top and you can make these caricatures they do not do that they ride that line and they just really uh make you feel sorry for these people they make you uh, you make you feel disgusted by them like it's a really great um 
like I said, roller coaster of emotions that you go through. So Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, if one of them gets nominated, I wouldn't be upset. It's uh, it's really great work from both of them. And the last thing I wanted to, uh, oh, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in it as like the main reverend. Oh, oh, the, it reminded me of the Kingpin days in Daredevil where he just shows up on screen. And you're like, I don't want to mess with that guy. Um, really kind of had just this very quiet, kind of brooding, powerful um, approach to his character. And it was effective because even like with Jim and Tammy, who are super big in the televangelist community, even this person made them scared. Like, and so Vincent D'Onofrio brought that power uh, to the to this role, and really also kind of exposed just the hypocrisies in uh, evangelists and televangelists. And it's not about religion at all; it's about the money, Lebowski. So, like, you know, uh, that character just really shining a. a a terrible light on the entire thing. It's just really great stuff. And so, um, and I'm trying to think of, uh, who else was in this? That was very notable. Um, Cherry Jones, who plays the Tammy's mother. She was like the voice of reason. And even she said some crazy things. And I was like, and when she's the voice of reason telling her daughter to like, not go down this path, she's like, this isn't Christianity. What is this? You're doing TV shows. Like what? <laughs> um, and even questioning like their buying habits, like who's gonna pay for this house and everything. So like, uh, I, I really liked her. Uh, she was the heart of the the film for sure. Um, but yeah, everyone did a, a fantastic job. And like I said, the last thing I want to jump into before I wrap this up is the production design, costume, art direction, all that stuff. Divine. Like every single set piece that they had, I felt like it was lived in. I felt like they were actually there. In that time period, the the clothes matched up uh, appropriately. It just it, it popped with color. It was vibrant. It just it was so well done that I was just swept up into this world with not only a visual treat to look at, with the aesthetics of the time period and just the um, the attention to detail, but also with the performances. So it was just like this great tornado of just stuff just happening on screen and I was just, I was in it. I was on the the ride and I just, uh, I liked just seeing everything that was happening and unfolding. And that two hour and six minute runtime, it, it flies by. And like, like I said, I think it's because of the performances that I was just so glued to the screen and I just, I could not take my eyes off. So yes, does the actual biopic kind of fall flat a little bit? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. It's, it doesn't really do anything special, but um, everything else about it just elevates it just a smidge above just being okay to slightly good it's in that middle zone and that will do it for my review of the eyes of tammy faye please let me know uh down in the comments or tweet at us whether you loved it hated it just thought it was okay and then do you think it has any type of awards consideration i'd like to know all that just let me know but that will do my, do it for my review of that one and that will do it for the whole episode of episode 336 thank you for joining me for episode 337 I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if I'm going to do one next week before I go to my parents for uh, Thanksgiving break. Um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm just not really really sure yet. So uh, you know, we'll just we'll we'll play it by ear. Um, but uh, like I said, when I come back, I have all those screenings lined up, so you guys will get a plethora of content. Um, so you know, if I don't have anything next week, just know that in a couple weeks from that point on, you're going to get a bunch of stuff throughout the entire month of me catching up on stuff. 
uh, for awards consideration and just screenings that I will have and, you know, present time. It's just, yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be crazy. So I have no idea if next week's going to happen, but hopefully, uh, you enjoyed this week's episode, um, uh, episode 336 and hopefully you're excited for all the upcoming stuff that I, I teased at the beginning of this with all the screenings and, you know, TV shows that I might do. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to, uh, continue on. So, uh, yes. Um, if, uh, what was I going to say? Yes. If, uh, you like this episode, uh, like I said at the beginning, please spread this around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast. You guys are awesome. I will see you guys for the next one, whenever that may be. Keep keep it chill. Stay classy, San Diego. I watched Anchorman on the plane going to Paris, so that's that's the that's the tagline you're gonna get. Okay, okay, bye.